I want to share with you just a few minutes for what's on my heart as it relates uh, to what I see the Lord uh, doing in a realignment for the Capital C Church and for Equip out here in El Dorado. And then I want to share uh, with uh, Dr. Coons here at the end uh, kind of what the, what the Spirit has been prompting uh, and leading uh, as it relates to uh, just the, the, the church order and things like that that uh, I'm so excited about. Isaiah chapter 40, if you would go there uh, with me, uh, it's a common passage and uh, the Lord is just laying out really uh, how massive he is in this chapter and uh, how glorious he is. Really, Isaiah is just unpacking his heart. And the Lord in the middle of this chapter says that he carries lambs close to his heart, but then he goes on to talk about the nations that are a drop in the bucket and, and like dust and, and how all the earth and the universe is, is just praising him and glorious. And, and then he gets to uh, verse uh, 25. And Isaiah 40, and he says, To whom will you compare me, or who is my equal, says the Lord? Lift up your eyes and look to the heavens. Who created all these? He who brings out the starry hosts one by one and calls forth each of them by name. Because of his great power and mighty strength, not one of them is missing. We've heard the statistics, but in the, in the knowable universe, uh, there's somewhere in the neighborhood of a billion trillion uh, stars, and so it, it just hurts the mind to think about him calling each one by name, day after day, night after night, knowing whose they are and where they are, where they are. And so he says, not one of them is missing. And then he takes the focus from the glory of the Lord, and then he looks right at the man Israel, Isaiah does. And then he says, so... Then, because of all that I just said about the glory of the Lord, the billion trillion stars that he knows by name, so then, verse 27, why do you complain, O Jacob? Why do you say, Israel, my way is hidden from the Lord and my cause is disregarded by God? If God knows all of that, then why, Jacob, heel grabber, supplanter, deceiver, do you complain? Because that's what Jacob did. He complained a lot. My way is hidden from the Lord. And why do you say, Israel, wrestler with God? Israel, the, the fighter, the contender. Why do you say? Because you've got a lot to say, Israel. You've got a lot to say. You're verbose. Why do you say, my cause is disregarded by God? Or the justice that is due to me is something that God doesn't care about. My way, I'm complaining because my way is hidden. He doesn't see the trial and the struggle that I'm in. I'm waiting on him. He doesn't see. And he doesn't really care about justice. And I'm just saying, he's, for me, it doesn't seem like my cause means anything to him. And he points this out. He says, if God can do all of this, why are you complaining and why are you saying this? And then he goes on to say, do you not know? Have you not heard? The Lord is the everlasting God, the creator of the ends of the earth. He will not grow tired or weary and his understanding no one can fathom. He gives strength to the weary and he increases the power of the weak. Even youths grow tired and weary and young men stumble and fall, but those who wait on or those who hope in or those who look for the Lord will renew their strength. They'll actually gain new strength. 
their power. They will mount up or they'll soar on wings like eagles. They will run and not grow weary. They will walk and not faint. This is a common passage. We've read it a hundred times. And as I was dwelling on this, I realized the question to Jacob and Israel is a question the Lord is pointing right back to my heart and maybe your heart as well. Why do you say in this season, your way is hidden or your cause goes unnoticed by the Lord? And the Lord says, actually, you should be asking me a different question. We should be saying, why God do you choose the hidden way? And why is your cause on the earth going unnoticed by your people and disregarded by your people? Because that's really what's happening. The Lord says, you think your way is hidden. It's in full view. I see all of it. My way is actually the hidden way. I have ways that you don't know about. I have thoughts that are higher than your thoughts. And what is my cause on the earth, people? You've not asked me that. What you've said is my cause, my cause, my justice. And the Lord says, what about my cause? What about my justice? And so what the Lord says in this is if you choose to wait and let that question sink into your heart, which is what's happening in the waiting, what's God's way? In this waiting that I'm in, wherever you're at right now, in the burning that I'm in, what's his way? Where is he aligning me again with his cause? on the earth. My life is not my own. My life is laid on the altar. You do with it what you want. What's your cause? Whether I have one day left or 50 years left, what's your cause for my life? What do you want to see happen? And the Lord says, if you wait on me, then what I will do is I will align you in this season with my ways. Moses knew his ways. The Israelites knew his deeds. And the Lord said, would you learn to know my character and my heart? And if you do that over, I had a, a vision of like off in the side on this waiting place. And the Lord is teaching us new strength. He's building it in us during this waiting period. And it's actually the new strength is to go out. It's not to stay hidden forever. It's actually to rise up over the circumstances that the Lord has put in front of us and to learn to walk in a new way, his way. And, lo- and learn to execute a new cause on the earth, his cause. I tell you, when we get behind what the Lord is doing, it's real fun. There's breakthrough. God has emphasis. He has power behind his word being accomplished on the earth. Does he care about your health, your prosperity? Does he care about goodness in your family? Of course he does. Of course he does. He's a good father. But where is it that maybe in my life and in your life, our way has been off course just a little bit from his? Or the cause that we're going after is a little bit off course and I feel like there's this aligning that's happening in the waiting for all of us right now. What is his cause for the church? If you take a a, uh, left with me to Psalms 149. What does he want to see happen here? Last chapter before the end. I'm just going to read it through. Just stay with me as I, as I read these nine verses here. Praise the Lord. Sing to the Lord a new song, his praise in the assembly of his faithful people. Let Israel rejoice in their maker. Let the people of Zion be glad in their king. Let them praise his name with dancing 
and make music to him with timbrel and harp. For the Lord takes delight in his people and he crowns the humble with victory or salvation. So let his faithful people rejoice in this honor and let them sing for joy on their beds. May the praise, the high praise or the shouting of God be in their mouths and may a double-edged sword be in their hands. Why? So that they can inflict vengeance on the nations and punishment on the peoples to bind their kings with fetters and chains and their nobles with shackles of iron to carry out the sentence or the judgment that is written against them. This is the glory or the honor of all of his faithful people. What a way to close the Psalms here as they, as they begin to bring that to a close. What's the Lord's cause that he wants his church to get behind in this hour? Well, I'll tell you. Seven things, seven commands. Number one, we sing to him corporately. It's a command, replete throughout scripture. Sing, praise, sing, sing, sing corporately with one voice. We're aligned together. We tune up our voices to sing his praise. Number two, let Israel, let God's people rejoice, not in his goodness or his gifts, but let us rejoice in him. Let us rejoice in our maker, our creator. Number three, let them be glad in their king. Again, I'm not glad because the breakthrough came. I'm glad because he's king and I'm not. And he has got a kingdom and I get to be a part of it. I want to rejoice in him, in my creator. I want to be glad in my king. Number four, let him praise his name with dancing. I love that. Dancing just kind of frees us up, makes us look silly. Alita is such a good example. I wish she was here. I just love that. Let him praise his name just like a little kid with dancing, just a release of joy from the heart. Number five, let them make music to him. There's something about just making music, right, Tony McGee, that praises the Lord, that just, just lifts praise to him as we play with our fingers and our mind and we, we just, we, we do something to his heart when we make music to him. Number six, let us then rejoice in the honor of his delight in us and his crowning victory over us. Look at that. Let his faithful people rejoice in this honor. What's the honor? That he takes great delight in us. Yeah, earlier we were told rejoice in him, and now we're told to rejoice in the honor that he gives us, that he delights in us, and that he crowns us as his bride with authority and power. And number seven, often overlooked, and let them sing for joy on their beds. We sing corporately, yes, and then when I'm alone, I sing to him. Just a song to his heart, just as I'm laying in bed. I love you, Lord, and I lift my voice to worship you. What does that look like for you? Seven commands for his people here. Why? Why all of this? Well, because of the glorious partnership and the honor of being the bride of Christ in bringing his kingdom on the earth. You guys know a man is coming 
and he's bringing his rule and reign. He's going to set up a literal throne on the earth, a Jewish man, and we're going to serve him in a human body for eternity, right here on the earth. We will not be in a cloud someday. We will be on the earth, and a a literal man, Christ Jesus, will be ruling and reigning here. I want to be found close to his heart now. We as the bride have a glorious and honored partnership with him. Listen to me, to do this, to take the high praise of God, worship, and to take the double-edged sword, which is another W word, it's the word. We take worship and we take the word and what do we do? We utilize them to inflict or execute vengeance and punishment on his enemies. This is not literal and physical. Don't go hack your neighbor up when you get home if they're heathen, right? This is the true enemy. This is the prince of Persia. This is the, 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 the hater of our souls. This is the accuser of the brethren in his kingdom. We're, we're literally, 2 Chronicles 20, we're marching forward worshiping him, and the Lord begins to set ambushes against the Ammonites, right? Coming against Judah, Jehoshaphat. We're taking the worship songs and the word of God and executing it. Think of what happened with Moses in Egypt, literally executing the word of the Lord. He didn't do that to Pharaoh. The Lord did it to Pharaoh. But the Lord used Moses and Aaron to bring that vengeance down. It's an incredible thought. This is why I believe we're here throughout. This is why I'm, I'm a, I'm a post-trip. I, I believe we're, we're here to do this, to bring, to usher in as the bride, the kingdom of Christ on the earth. We're to inflict vengeance and punishment on his enemies. It doesn't preach too well in our culture today, but it's true. And then we're to secondly bind, because we have the keys of the kingdom, we're exercising that, we're binding enemy leaders, princes, and nobles. How are we doing that? I believe we're doing that in prayer and in fasting, just like Daniel did that. And the warfare in the heavenly realms, I believe, is stirred up and it's motivated. It's actually moved forward because of our seeking the Lord on our faces here. We're to bind enemy leaders. And then thirdly, we're to carry out or execute the written judgment against them. Don't you know that you'll judge angels? Paul says, that's who you are. Don't you know you're going to judge the earth someday? Don't you know you're going to sit with him on his glorious throne, ruling and reigning? It's a crazy thought. This is the glory, verse 9, this is the honor of all of his faithful people, the bride, the church. This is what we have to look forward to. And so I tell you, we're doing more when we sing worship songs than just doing a feel-good thing. We're, we're literally executing judgment at that time. And especially when we're praying the word, guys, I'm telling you, when, when we're doing that, especially I think when it's mixed with, with this song, I think when we're taking the word in prayer like that, something catalytic happens. So I believe this is the Lord's cause for his church. I want to partner with you to bring my rule and reign here on the earth. And we want to line up with that cause, whatever that looks like. However the Lord stirs, that's what we want to do. Now you'll notice I didn't say much in here about building big ministries or names for anyone's self or anything like that. What he said 
is partnering with me in what I'm doing. And we wanted to say yes and amen to that.